Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoyed the podcast, everybody. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Anti-Bullying 101. My name's Jim Burns, and we're here to discuss a variety of topics. Bullying's the big one, but right now many people are experiencing a host of other problems, domestic violence, workplace bullying, cyberbullying, community and family bullying. And when I speak with people, I discovered that they seem to be having trouble with the people that they're closest to, like their parents or their siblings. People become angry and bitter, and they don't realize that there's a choice. And it can be just as easy to develop love, joy, peace, and patience as it is to be angry, bitter, and vengeful. Now, this podcast is designed for anyone who wants to have a fuller, more vibrant life and to offer some ideas on how to balance the physical, the mental, the spiritual, the emotional areas of their life. But make no mistake about it, we're anti-bullying 101, so it's truly my hope that we can help everyone live a life without the fear of harassment, intimidation, and bullying. Well, it's been a little bit. I've been busy doing many other things. And I apologize to my listeners for not getting more content out there to you. Uh, But today, I think I'm going to be sharing something with you that will make a lot of sense if, in fact, you're involved with activities or your children are involved with activities and sports and other things. I have three daughters. One of is 32, the other's 26. And I have a daughter that's 12. Now, I've been through um, the whole thing with activities and sports and relationships and um, school and college and all of that with my my two uh Uh, my older daughter and my middle daughter. And as I think I've shared already with you guys that I am a grandfather now and I'm proud of it. Uh, My middle daughter, Grace in Florida, has had a baby and uh, I am the proud uh, 
grandfather or pop as they call me of a baby girl named Winnie and we are so proud and so happy and we are just uh, in love right now all over again with uh, with that uh, little baby so I am thrilled to share that with you but I've been through it all with you know the activities and, and so on sports my oldest daughter was involved with cheerleading and I mean community cheerleading where they had to go and they were involved with competitions and a variety of other things and that went on for a couple of years and I'm that can be very very uh I won't use the word debilitating but I'll use the word time consuming all consuming because you're it's you're always involved with a practice or it's always costing money or it's always you know there's some drama that's going on you know and so on and as luck would have it my um my younger daughter now who's 12 uh, she participates in a variety of activities and different sports and so on and she's attending the middle school and she herself is involved with community cheerleading as well. Not so much, she's going to be involved with school cheerleading eventually, but she got involved with a group of girls who had an interest in community cheerleading, where they go on competitions and so on, and they cheer at Pop Warner football games and, and that type of thing. Here's the thing that I've noticed. And I think it's gotten more uh, prevalent as time has gone on. Is that every sport hands every participant a book on sportsmanship. In other words, how we should treat members of the other team and our fellow teammates. And what I have gotten a little bit twisted about is that when you read the material and you hear these announcements go on at games, you know, and so on, you get the feeling that the behaviors like respect, responsibility, kindness, caring, and, and some other qualities are only deemed important when the individual is on public display. Because they don't want to make the team look bad. Now, like as an example, one handbook read, All students who represent blah, blah, blah school on an athletic team are expected to conduct themselves in such a manner as to reflect credit upon blah, blah, blah school. Credit upon the school? See, I think what's a concern here are the words on an athletic team. Suppose you're not on an athletic team. And furthermore, I think students need to work on reflecting credit upon themselves, which will in turn help credit the school. For, and, 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 and I really mean this. Help credit the school 
for contributing to their lives so that they can go off to college and say, I went to this school and I can't tell you how much those people helped me get through four years of high school to get to this point. The point that I'm making is, do we need this instruction on sportsmanship? Or is it something that should be innate? Should we, should we as parents do more to make sure that kids practice respect, responsibility, compliance, and so on? Because I want to tell you something. I'm going to make a very important point here. If certain behaviors were worked on consistently, consistently, and if individuals were measured by behaviors, you see, here comes that line, which I can't take very much, and that is, I like you, but I don't like your behavior. We're measured by our behavior. Did you know that? We're measured by our behavior, and we are looked at in different ways because of our behavior, whether we're involved with the sport or not. So behaviors like respect and responsibility if if we were in, involved with those things a handbook would not be necessary a handbook on sportsmanship would not be necessary because they were the things that were important and I'm, here's the line when there's a norm in place, when it's normal to be respectful. You don't need rules. You don't need a rule. The problem is society doesn't have a norm any longer and they and wants to create a new norm that's more situational and leaves people floating around in a gray abyss instead of understanding the benefits of a black and white mentality. If our norms were based on character, many things would be understood and behaviors like disrespect and unkindness would be the anomaly. And those that displayed those behaviors would be on the outside looking in. See, it's kind of like, you know, mothers against drunk driving. They got so sick of kids being killed in car wrecks, which was becoming the norm what they decided to do was set this up, mothers against drunk driving. Now those who are drinking are the ones that are on the outside looking in. Now, this problem, sadly, that society faces is really about parents and, inter and the intergenerational tendencies. And by that I mean, I mean things that get passed down. Tendencies that get passed down generation after generation. Sportsmanship handbooks weren't necessary 40 years ago because parents understood the meaning of respect and wouldn't dare question a coach or an official. On a personal note, it, you know, 
if I complain to my father about the teacher or the coach being mean to me or said something to me, uh, you know, he, my father would say that the, the coach wasn't tough enough on me. But today, if a child goes home and complains about a coach, the parents come right in in defense of their child, berating the coach and their abilities. Now, as the decades have gone by and complaining has become the norm, what one generation did in moderation, the next one did in excess. Now, coaches and teachers are always looking over their shoulder, waiting for the other shoe to drop because they corrected a student or an athlete. They knew, these coaches and teachers knew, that it was only going to be a matter of time only a matter of time before mom and dad came in to put them on the defensive. Do you wonder why people don't want to coach? Do you wonder why teachers are leaving the field? It's the idea that we've created this norm where disrespect is like no big deal. And irresponsibility is no big deal. And the fact that you can go in and question authority and give teachers a hard time and coaches a hard time. Who wants to put up with that stuff? So they don't do it anymore. And it's a very, very sad commentary because there are many people, many people who are well qualified and who know how to teach and, and would probably do great working with students, whether it be coaching or teaching or whatever they can, but they won't go into the field because they got to put up with this stuff. Now, the problem with parental over-involvement can come from the lofty expectations that parents have for their children and at times they can vicariously try and live their life through their children, which does nothing but create stress and tension and can affect the kid moving forward throughout life. Because you're not meeting the expectations of dad. Dad wanted to be a professional ball player. He's not. So now my kid's going to become one. Well, my kid wants to be a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. He doesn't want to play, and he doesn't want to have to go through the process of trying to play professional baseball or football. And I've seen in towns where football is the centerpiece to the whole town. It's the centerpiece. And if you're not playing football, there's something wrong with you. On a side note, I don't agree with football, with young kids, strictly because of the fact that I don't think they know how to tackle well. I think that they don't know how to fall well. I know they've got equipment on, but I, I, I fear that legs get damaged, shoulders get damaged at a young age, and they don't heal right. And kids won't say anything if they get hurt now because they want to play. 
So some sports need far more coaching and far more direction and far more instruction than just going out on the field and you know putting the equipment on. Now I started to do the math many years ago and finally worked out the numbers. There's about 3,000 professional baseball players in the United States and that includes minor league teams and I'm not including Japan or other countries that playing the World Baseball Classic every four years. There are 8 billion people living on the planet. 3,000 professional baseball players, 8 billion people living on the planet. The chances are greater that a kid will be hit by lightning than becoming a professional baseball player. Professional baseball players are the cream, cream, cream of the crop and have certain physical abilities that are innate to them and only them. And when a scout talks about, you know, five-tool players, they refer to a player's ability to run with speed, strong throwing arm, can hit for average, hit with power, and can feel their position well. These are God-given abilities, and they improve with practice, but really, it's all about natural talent. Now, I'm not too concerned about teenagers understanding those numbers, because I think they do. But I don't think that parents have a clear understanding of those statistics, and furthermore, believe that their kid is going to be the next Bryce Harper. And it's not the belief that's troubling, it's what they do with those beliefs that can make life miserable for a lot of people. And you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's not the kids that need that sportsmanship manual, it's the parents. Because they're trying so hard to make sure that their kid is noticed, or they want their kid to get a scholarship, or they want their kid to be really good and hopefully he's going to be a pro and all the other things and get all the other benefits that go along with it. So the, the coaches are miserable dealing with this parent, the refs are miserable, the kid's miserable, everybody's miserable because they're dealing with this person who thinks that their kid is going to be the next Bryce Harper. But let's be clear, coaches coach, parents parent, players play, and officials officiate. I hear this all the time when I go up to a, to the field, when they make the, they have to make this announcement who do you think they're making this announcement to? The kids? They're making this announcement to the spectators and the parents that are there. That coaches coach, players play, officials officiate, and so on. If you're a parent, parent. Let the officials do what they're doing. Let the coach do what he's doing. Because I'll tell you something, when you start stepping on each other's toes, it's a recipe for disaster with the players losing. The player loses, and I don't mean the game. Now, we've created this thing. That's right, we've created it. We've created it as adults. We've created the culture. 
We didn't mean to. It's very innocent and unwitting. And now we got to dismantle this Frankenstein monster. And how do you start doing this? Number one, we have to stop telling parents and children what they want to hear and be truthful about their academic and sports-related ability, regardless of any unrealistic parental expectations. Billy Bean, this, this is the guy that was a part of Moneyball fame, was drafted in the first round by the New York Mets right out of high school. He was identified by scouts as that 5-2 player I spoke about. He played for a short time in the major leagues and then went on to scouting. He never made it as a player. Never made it as a player. The guy was a no, he couldn't miss. But he never made it. But he became a successful general manager because that's what he figured he wanted to do. He started off as a scout. But he was never successful as a player that everyone thought he would be, as, as that player. Believe me when I'm telling you, we don't need sportsmanship manuals. What we need is a redirect. We need, we get, we need a check valve on the expectations that we place on kids because the expectations that we place on them when the kid isn't meeting their our expectations, we end up blaming coaches, teachers, and anybody else. But maybe the kid just doesn't have the ability to play the way this parent wants him to play. And it, it, it's something that they have to accept. When Bryce Harper made it to the pros as an outfielder for the Washington Nationals, Davey Johnson, the then manager of the team, asked him how he felt. Harper responded, this is the most relaxed I've ever been in my entire life. You know why he said that? Because he knew that's the direction he was going. He knew he could be a professional baseball player. He knew that he was hit by lightning and he was one in eight billion who became that player. He truly made it. Everyone else just has to keep on trying, but in reality, all kids have the potential to be great people. But not all professional athletes. Sometimes, even if a kid gets a scholarship and is all state in his sport, they can be a big fish in a small pond. So my, my thought, let the kids have fun. Let the coaches coach, and we got to help these parents understand how unrealistic expectations do more harm than good. When we do that, then and only then will we be able to toss out this sportsmanship manual that we think is so important. My name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. We just covered a great topic, and it's called Sportsmanship in the Game of Life. What I'm going to do is I'm putting this podcast... You can read the article. I'll put the the link to the article uh, in the podcast description. And the podcast is going to be in the article. I'll have that linked. Um, take a look. Take a look at some of this stuff. 
that we got going on here. Take a look at the bullyproof classroom. Take a look at the store. Take a look at uh, some of the things that, that are there. I think that you will discover that there's so much more that you can use in terms of the bullyproof classroom. Read the articles. They're terrific. The articles are terrific. We have great resources there. And I think that you would be happy to do so uh, as you uh, took the time to look through the website. This is October 19th. October 19th. 2022. We're getting close to the end of the year already. It's a beautiful day here in South Jersey. I am enjoying my time. I'm getting older, as everybody is. We have to take it one day at a time, enjoy life as it comes. We have to love one another, care about one another, look after each other, because that's what's important. And always understand that the people under the roof that are living there with you, that are called family, are the most important. So don't forget that. That's always my advice. Love your family first. You'll have plenty of other people to love. But you got to love your family first. My name is Jim Burns. You have been listening to Anti-Bully 101. Hopefully I'll get another podcast out next week. I should. I'm, oh, by the way, the, the reason that I was tied up is because I'm doing a lot of reading. I've uh, just completed another, audio, another book, uh, Monologues. And I'm going to share this uh, with you uh, in the episode description as well where you can get your copy. If you want a you want a cheap copy, I have it on the website. If you want the hardcover and so on, I'll put everything there for you. You can decide which uh, book you'd like to purchase. And the reason that I was so tied up is I'm doing I'm turning that into an audio book. So I've been reading into a microphone over the course of the last couple of weeks and I just uh, had uh, neglected the podcast, but I'm back now. I look forward to spending more time with you guys. So until the next time, my name is Jim Burns. Please have a wonderful day.